This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Our City winning the Champions League for the first time in a while, some of us think so. It's Thursday the 16th of March, I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Alex Brotherton. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Chaps, welcome for the first time ever on a show. I'm touching Adam's face. Um, Alex, I've touched your face plenty of times before, so we won't go there again. But um, as you can probably tell by the slightly echoey audio, we're actually recording this in person. Adam, I'm going to say welcome to the UK. You've been here for many years before and and plenty of time before this as well. But um, welcome to the show in the UK. Thank you, Amos. Uh, I'm not sure how I felt about having my face stroked for the intro of this podcast, but um, yeah, I'm glad to be back, uh, sitting here in in the hotel room in in cramped quarters, but I suppose it's better than than being on Zoom. Let's crack on with the game, and if you haven't already, go back and listen to yesterday's episode, which was reviewing the match itself, went into full detail, spoke about Harlan for a good 20 minutes or so. We're going to try and nitpick some of the finer details and, and maybe look at the wider picture. I wanted to start with Ilkay Gundogan, who um, is a hot topic at the moment, mainly because of his looming contract expiry. News broke uh, on Thursday morning that, again, the rumours linking him to Barcelona have started back up again. It's reported that Ilkay Gundogan has already spoken with Barcelona manager Xavi. The first indications have been positive. They're saying they're looking to bring him in on a low option, uh, a low salary option. Obviously, Barcelona bankrupt. Um, Alex, I'm going to stick with you because you were, you were well, we've heard some, ter- some sort of turmoil from the post-match interviews and whatnot, but you were in the press box for the game. Guardiola spoke warmingly about Gundogan and it sort of pointed towards a potential contract extension. Yeah, um, 
it, it was a bit, yeah, not strange, but obviously Guardiola spoke a lot about Kevin De Bruyne um, after the game and, you know, how he's um, perhaps not been at his best in recent weeks. But, you know, this was the, the good old De Bruyne that we all all know and love. But he, he kind of did bring up Gundogan, um, just saying that, you know, Gundogan has actually been City's best uh, midfielder this season, in, in his opinion. Um, and, you know, can you get much sort of bigger praise from that? You know, being labelled the best in your position in the whole squad, um, considering how sort of glowingly Guardiola spoke about Bernardo Silva last night and has done many times this season. He did say that Gundogan has been the best. Um, so I think it's it's no secret that City would like him to stay around. Um, it's been sort of different reports about how long they're sort of willing to offer. I think the, the preference is kind of like a year really, isn't it? Considering, you know, the stage of his career that he's at and, and just looking to the future. But... I think it would be quite a big loss if he was if he was to go. You know, there's there's few midfielders out there with the kind of the sense of goal as Guardiola might put it. You know, that the sense of making those late runs into the box kind of, I guess we'd call it like a Lampard kind of ability to do that from midfield. Um, and I'm not sure City have, you know, too many other midfielders like that. If if you know if De Bruyne is carrying the main creative burden, then. Gundogan is the main guy that makes those runs. So it'll be, yeah, I think City are going to try their utmost to keep him. Um, I hope they do because I think he's, it's, uh, I definitely don't think he's um, coming towards the end of his sort of ability to play in, in an elite level team. And I think the fact that there's other teams interested like Barcelona kind of proves that as well. So um, I'd really like him to stay. Yeah, wouldn't we all? He's a he's a, an esteemed professional. And it, it, it begs the question, doesn't it, Adam? Because we've had, over the last sort of maybe five years or so, a continuous cycle, open door of, of legends, call it what it is. Gundogan's an absolute, maybe in that sort of lower category of legend, but he's certainly he's certainly up there. But also, he's the he's the club captain, and that doesn't necessarily mean the traditional sense of um, Vincent Company fucking flying into tackles, making big chest puffs and whatnot. It's behind the scenes, and and we've seen the discontent in the city dressing room, not firsthand, but we've heard about it. It could pose a big, big problem. Say Gundogan left at the end of this season, it's a sort of another black hole that opens within that leadership group. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, there's been a number of legends that have left the club in recent seasons. It feels like since Pep came to town, every year somebody you know worthy of a statue leaves the club. Um, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that something I'd be wary of is rewarding players with contracts because of what they've done in the past and not what they can do for you in the future. And so we're getting to that time with Gundogan where the levels haven't looked like dropping, but it's such an important role, as we've heard from Pep Guardiola, that if the levels drop overnight, um, I would be wary about not already having the kind of next player up there. Um, you know, I think with the size of City's squad, there's no reason why you can't re-sign Ilkay Gundogan as a leader and, you know, to continue to be a starter if he's performing at the levels he's at, but also bring in somebody in the midfield. And then there's obviously the kind of elephant in the room of Bernardo Silva and what ends up happening with him. And, you know, if he goes, then there'll certainly need to be some more midfielder or, or midfielders coming in. So um, I would have no issue with the club extending his contract because I think he absolutely deserves it. But, you know, we've talked about rebuilds recently and I think you kind of have to do a, an ongoing rebuild as long as well as keeping a hold of players like him because um, he's a fantastic player, but you don't want to have an issue where the drop-off comes overnight and you're stuck until the summer. 
Absolutely, and, yeah. and at the same time, with the Barcelona links, there are plenty of midfielders being linked to City just to sort of the last 48 hours or so. Alexis McAllister from Brighton. There's been uh, talk in the past of Mason Mount. Obviously, Jude Bellingham is a hot topic as well. But um, it, 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 some stats, Alex, from the Leipzig game to bring it back to that. He obviously played 55 minutes. He got a goal, 96% pass accuracy in that time, 25 of 26. Uh, he had four shots, two of them on target, obviously took that beautiful finish. We spoke a lot about Erling Haaland in yesterday's show. However, at the same time, I feel like a lot of Haaland's success is what Gundwan does behind him in that sort of, you mentioned it before, sort of Frank Lampard style. I almost think it's somewhat of a second striker in the way he facilitates the, the sort of the space in behind the, the runs that Haaland makes. Is there a player at the moment, I know Alexis McAllister has, has done great at Brighton, but it, it feels like if Gundwan goes, Haaland's game again gets a little bit harder because that connection disappears somewhat. I think... It would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see if Gundogan does go in the summer, how how that does affect Haaland's game next season. Because I guess adaptation and it's kind of been the sort of theme of this season in in a general sense with the team learn not learning, but you know getting used to playing with a strike an out and out striker again, and Haaland getting used to the City team. And as you say, Gundogan has been a big part of that. Um, but I'm just trying to sort. I'm racking my brains, and I can't really think of you know someone that would do it the same same way that Gundogan does. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have reservations about Mount Mason Mount, but like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. He has played that role for Chelsea before, hasn't he? As kind of a off the striker attacking midfielder. But yeah, I don't know. I think at this moment it'd be. I'm kind of in the same boat as Adam. I think I'd like him to stay, but not at, you know, not just for the sake of it, and not at the um, the kind of expense of having the next the next sort of generation or the next player up to to come into the team so I guess he'd have to be happy to to maybe not be playing you know every single week um which he seems like he doesn't he's never really been one of the sort of bad faces crowd has he so um maybe that would be something that would be happy to do but it, it'll be definitely be another maybe smaller ad- adaptation for City next season if he isn't around because I think he, he is important to the way that Haaland operates. It's interesting about Mason Mount because I think I, I would first and foremost really like Gundogan to stay for more reasons than one but I, I think if Gundogan was to leave not only would City then need to I think at this point City need to buy a midfielder regardless of what happens I think they need to buy one if Bernardo Silva leaves because he does the job of two, three, four players and even if Gundogan leaves again there is another slot that opens up and, and with Mason Mount's contract obviously expiring or, or dwindling at Chelsea I wouldn't be against Mason Mount, but at the same time, obviously, I know that it couldn't be the marquee midfield signing. Um, Adam, finally then, similar question. The way Gundogan plays is almost... In t- he is the Guardiola midfielder, isn't he? He was the first player signed by Guardiola. He obviously spent a bit of time out injured. That first season was a bit... A bit uh, Stop start for him, but we've seen over the years some massive, massive moments. Not not least the Aston Villa game. It'd be it'd be a massive shame to lose him. Not least because, like you've mentioned before, he, he can be valuable to this squad. Yeah, I think he would be a, a tough player to replace. Like like Bernardo Silva, he kind of does a number of roles. You know, he can play in a in a double pivot. He can sit behind a striker and make the late runs. He can be a, a tempo setting midfielder. So I think the club are kind of coming to a point where. It's going to take a massive overhaul to replicate the type of players that they have in the team at the moment, especially in midfield. Um, 
when you look around at the rest of the squad, you don't really see any players that could fill their shoes already in the squad. You know, you've got Phil Foden who could slip into midfield, but he's more of a direct, dynamic, almost a, a natural number 10, whereas, you know, he's not necessarily going to do a Bernardo Silva role of, of tracking back and the, all the pressing and, you know, tucking in at left back and, and all, the, all of that stuff. So it's going to be really difficult. And I don't even know, kind of zooming out, how the club goes about it. You know, it feels like in in years past when we've had players like Sané leave the club or David Silva leave the club, it feels like it's been easier to look around and find replacements and say, yeah, that's that's the guy to do it. You know, you look at Sergio Aguero leaving, and we kind of always had our eye on Holland when he started to come through with Dortmund with obviously the, the City links in the past. But you look around right now and it feels like, like we said, there's, you would need about three or four players to replace a Bernardo Silva or an Elkai Gundogan. So it feels like it could be a really tough time for the club. And I, because of that, I think they're going to do their utmost to hang on to Gundogan and, and probably Bernardo Silva as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, here's hoping Silky Ilky's here to stay. Uh, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment as we continue our discussion about the Champions League and City's chances. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. If you haven't, of course, subscribe, hit follow, etc. Um, I'm just looking, I've just pulled up Skybet and we're in a bit of a dingy hotel room. I'm, I'm pulling up Skybet with stroking faces. It isn't that sort of show, ladies and gentlemen, but... I'm looking at Sky Bet and, and Manchester City at outright favourites, almost a, a quid better odds to to pip by Munich to Champions League title. City have been in this position before, Alex. They've been cha- uh, favourites for the for the competition competition multiple times in the past. However, with Erling Haaland, with the feeling amongst the dressing room, with the current state of the Premier League title race, is this the best chance City have ever had? I. I'm going to cop out and say I don't know oh. because it's, I think it just, it's, it, I'm just a bit sort of not, not baffled, but a bit confused why they're the favourites because I think any City fan would tell you that we aren't playing as well as we have been in recent seasons. And I've not been someone that's, you know, you know, people, people on this podcast even have had different ideas about, you know, how bad the season has been or like, you know, how how big the problems were, and I think they're, they're starting to come through them now. Um, but I'm still not thinking. There's still worrying signs, isn't there? Like there's still too many games where City don't take their chances, and you know Palace away being like last weekend being one of them. Um, and obviously those kind of things can can kind of come back to haunt you. Um, I don't know. I think maybe last season was one of the was one of the uh, the sort of better chances for City to to win it. Obviously, they were you know minutes away from the final. Maybe you wouldn't have fancied them against Liverpool, that Liverpool team in the final. But um, you know, twenty eighteen nineteen as well, City really looked like they were going to go all the way. But then on the flip side, I think Guardiola actually mentioned last night that the reason they've not won it in the past isn't for lack of scoring goals; it's for just conceding them at the wrong times and conceding too many. Now City in the last few games at least, do look a little bit more, you know, a bit more controlled, a bit more not conceding daft goals. Maybe this is the City team that, you know, they might not catch Arsenal in the title race, but they might be in a good position to, to go all the way in the Champions League. I think Bayern are the sort of the big force against that. Maybe even Real Madrid, while it looks like their La Liga season sort of, or the title race is, is kind of over for them. 
in the Champions League, you know, they're just a different beast, aren't they, as a City fan out last season. So um, I wouldn't say this is the best chance City have ever had to win it, but they're right to be one of the favourites. Maybe not the favourite, but um, definitely up there. I think just to play devil's advocate, you say that this is, you know, one of the more flawed City teams that we've seen under Pep, um, certainly since the 2019-20 season. And I think that that might just be the reason why maybe City kind of find their way to at least another final because, you know, the flawless teams that controlled every single aspect of every game and were perfect, you know, a well-oiled machine in, in every aspect, in every facet, there was always some weird bit of chaos or luck that didn't go their way. And if we saw anything last night, it's that City might have found a little bit of luck in that game last night. I mean, obviously they scored seven goals, but if you look at the goals, it's a potentially questionable handball. It's, you know, Holland happening to, ha- happening to be in the right place for um, a De Bruyne shot off the crossbar, some, some mad goal mouth scrambles. And, you know, when I when I see Ruben Diaz hitting diagonal balls over the top to Erling Holland to let him just run through brick walls and try and get the ball, it feels like City have maybe embraced what you need to do to win the Champions League, which is just stir shit up and hope you win the moment. You know, we've seen Real Madrid do that countless times that they are in they aren't in ninety percent of the ties they're in, but they win them always. So it might just be the season. And Amos and I were walking around town and I was saying, weirdly, this is probably the first season under Pep I've actually been confident in winning the tournament because it feels like they have the the tools now to exist in a chaotic state, whereas the teams of the past just absolutely could not exist in a chaotic state. We saw against Leon, we saw against Real Madrid, we saw against Spurs that once the chaos kind of starts to exist, they've folded but I think this team is enjoys being in the chaos, and that may be why they're not doing so well in the league up to this point, but they maybe look, for me, a bit more confident in, in winning the Champions League. So just a kind of a, a devil's advocate, but I am weirdly confident this year. Yeah, it's absolutely no surprise that the two times Guardiola has won the competition in the Champions League, obviously you go back over a decade now, but they had a certain Lionel Messi in the team who is the sort of the the ideal person you want when things aren't going particularly well to just do something crazy and uh, and and sort of pull out an absolute magical moment and and obviously Haaland and, and Lionel Messi are, are very different footballers in terms of style but we saw against Leipzig the way Erling Haaland can just do something in the box and suddenly City have sort of seven goals on the night um in terms of the competition the rest of of the the makeup of it Alex it's uh, you mentioned Bayern Munich, but below that, you're looking at good teams. Likes of Benfica have had a really good season. I know we spoke about this briefly on yesterday's show, but but didn't necessarily go into much depth. Benfica have got some like Ramos who's scoring for fun. They've been able to replace Enzo Fernandez and uh, Darwin Nunes. They're having a really good season in Portugal. Your favourite team, Napoli. Um, they looking like the most frightening one. And Guardiola actually said after the match, he said that Napoli the most complete team in Europe. Is that the must avoid for City in tomorrow's draw, do you think? Um, I wouldn't say it's the must avoid. I think it could be, that would be the most chaotic tie, wouldn't it? 
So if we're now thinking that City are better with coping with chaos, like imagine a match, a two-legged tie with Haaland and Ossiman going up against <laughs> each other. It'd be endless sort of like balls over the... Because both, both play with quite high lines, mm. so it'd be just endless balls in behind. It'd be almost like a shootout between the two two um, sort of goal machines. But yeah, I think I think from an, um, the sake of our nerves and just sort of sanity, I think City versus Napoli will be one to avoid. Um, but I think... Yeah, I just don't want to play Real Madrid again because strange things happen and you just can't explain it. I mean, they're not even having a great season, but you just... This, I don't know Liverpool are having an awful season by their standards, but still, most teams don't go to Anfield and score five goals. And yes, there was they had a helping hand with some of the defending and the goalkeeping, but yeah, I just, I'd just i like to avoid Real Madrid if, they, uh, yeah, if, if they're there. So um, yeah, but Napoli and Real Madrid I'd like to avoid, I think. I'm just thinking uh, Ossiman and Cravacellia versus Grealish and Haaland is like when The Simpsons meets Futurama and it's like you've got these two sort of very similar people staring at each other. Um, yeah, I, Adam, I know we, we watch a lot of European football. We spend a lot of time speaking about European football. Napoli this season have have been the most complete team. Um, I'm, I'm with Alex. I don't want to touch them with a barge pole. I think, you know, in that quarterfinal pool, both Milan clubs are there and, and that should obviously touch would be simpler tasks for City. However, there isn't a team left in this draw that City shouldn't be. And, and going back to your further point, the way City have been playing... I think there's a reason why City aren't top of the Premier League with 18 points clear like they have done, obviously not in every season, but a sizable margin. However, they are favourites for the Champions League because it's a competition, as we've said multiple times, that, that doesn't reward the best team in Europe. City have been the best team in Europe a number of times before and they've not won the, the Champions League. It feels like... I don't know. I don't. I don't think Pep will win the Champions League with City just because of his sort of his insecurities in in matches at times. Um, what did he call us yesterday? That the Twitter folk. He's, he called out the the people on Twitter making silly silly comments. But if it is going to happen, especially looking towards that rebuild next year, does it have to happen this year? Is this is this sort of a, a sliding door for Pep at City when we go into next season? Is a is the midfield going to be too shaky? Is it going to need some time to gel? Obviously, the season after that, he's going to be in his final campaign at City, and I don't know. Is there a fairy tale option where he leaves with the Champions League sort of dangling over his shoulders, and and everyone lives happily happily ever after, or is it 2023, 2020, 2023 going to have to be the year? I think that's a really hard question to answer because there's so many unanswered questions heading into the summer, like the future of Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, Laporte, um, players like that. That we're not quite sure if some of these, you know, core members of the squad are going to be staying or going. From what we've heard from the club, it's not necessarily they're not looking to rebuild. They're they're going to look to strengthen with players like Bellingham and. Um, there was even weirdly reports of Alcimen this morning, uh, not from very reputable sources. From Alex. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, all of the you know talk coming out of the club is is they're going to be strengthening this team. They're not necessarily looking to take take a step back before they take two steps forward. They're always going to be looking to move forward. So I don't necessarily think it's a case of you have to win it now. Um, but I think just zooming back in on on this season. I think the win at the Emirates a few weeks ago is probably the blueprint for how City could potentially win the Champions League because it's pretty rare under Guardiola that in big games City get outplayed and win the game. 
it, you know, it's always been City outplaying a team and winning the game. It's rare that we see them with 40% or less possession and just take their few opportunities and win the game. And, and I was on this podcast after that Arsenal game saying that was a prime Real Madrid in the Champions League performance at the Emirates, which was soak up the pressure, you know, suffer for a little bit, as, as Guardiola likes to say, and then just be lethal with your star players going forward and take your moments and win the game. I think that's the blueprint, blueprint right there for City to win the, win the Champions League is they may go to the Allianz Arena and they may suffer and they may you know, concede possession for 20-odd minutes, but then you go straight down the other way with with Holland and Grealish and and De Bruyne and and you score a couple goals. So um, it just feels like this team is set up to deal with the situations they may face in a, in a tie against Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, whoever it might be, a lot better than teams in the past. And that sounds like a fantastic place to call it a day. Um, Alex, thank you very much for joining us in this uh, Manchester Piccadilly Ibis. Yeah, thank you very much. It's um, I, I, I don't know if it's one an experience I'd like to repeat, but it's one that I've enjoyed. And uh, and yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Uh, one more match for you on this sort of whistle stop tour of Manchester City's what mid March schedule. How's it been so far? It's been enjoyable. Seen a few goals. Yeah, it's great. I've seen uh, what eight goals in two games, I think now. Um, so that's good. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a lovely time. But I'm looking forward to. A real classic English tie on Saturday with what eight thousand Burnley fans coming to the Etihad. So, yeah, eight goals, six of them for Haaland. Um, that'll do for today's show. If you haven't already, hit follow, hit subscribe as usual. We'll be back tomorrow, looking ahead to Burnley in the FA Cup. And until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.